Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by lead pastor, Chad Peralt. For other podcasts and resources, visit www.vineyardportland.org. So, um, really awesome news. We got to spend five nights together eating dinner this past week. Yeah! Yeah! So as you guys know, the last two weeks, I think we spent one night having dinner together because we've been so busy. This past week, we spent five nights together. I don't know if that was good or bad. I don't know because I feel like I got annoyed more with my kids, but no, I'm just kidding. So anyway, so I think Monday night, we sit down for dinner, right? And uh, I don't even know what we're having, but we sat down and... We're all around us. So basically, I, I, I sit in my seat. Jackson sits to the left of me. Gracie sits to the right of me. Shanna's there. Rylan's over there. And it's just the way it all worked out. So I'm sitting there, and I'm about to start eating. And then all of a sudden, Jackson, he like looks over at me, just starts going like this, like punching me. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you punching me right now? But he's not even punching me hard. He's just like, like this. And I'm like, can you stop doing that, please? So I asked him, I'm like, why are you punching me like that? So why don't you come up here for a minute? <laughs> come here. So apparently my kids love to make fun of me. So we're sitting right, and all of a sudden, I, that's me. I'm him. He's like this. Okay, so why don't you tell everybody why it is that you did that? Because we discovered that one of the meanings of his name means a piece of waste material r- removed from card arc tape by punching. <laughs> Thank you. Get out of here. I knew that my name meant that just because of the whole, if you guys remember, the election way back in the day with Bush and Gore and the Florida thing and the cards that had the chads, the pregnant chads, the, the, what were the other chads called? Hanging chads, there we go. Drawing the memory, aren't we? Hanging chads, punching chads, or pregnant chads, dimple chads. See, Chad right here, Chad knows, Chad knows. So I would like, I always sort of thought of my name as being more of a reverent name because it's the name of a country, Chad. But my kids decided to remind me that I'm just a piece of waste cardboard material (laughs) removed by punching. Anyway. So that's uh, that's our table talks moment of the day. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Can we pray? Is that allowed in here? Okay, let's pray. Um, As we get into this word, I just want us to be able to prepare our hearts this morning. We can have fun, but I I feel like we want to prepare our hearts this morning for what we're going to get into, because I really feel like as we just worship God, we continue to worship God by knowing his word, and we declare his word, right? We declare his word by knowing his word. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, so much. God, I, I pray you would move us into a place of worship right now into a place of worship right now for your word, in your word. God, that you have decided that this thing is how you've chosen to reveal yourself to humanity. 
and that we come into this and we dive into this not lightly, but we do it with reverence because it is, because it is your word. It's your holy word. It's set apart. There's nothing like it. We judge and approve all things in accord with it. Father, I ask God that you would speak life to this church through your word right now in Jesus' name. God, that you would declare a word this morning in the hearts of everyone here, God, through this word. God, I ask that anything I share, Lord, would be of your heart. God, that everything I share would be from your mouth. Everything I share would be because it brings, um, it declares your purpose and your will for us in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Okay, let's go. So we're starting with, or we're continuing our, uh, oh man, I'm looking at the time, that's not good. Fulfilled. We're talking about fulfilled this morning, the idea of the prophetic feast. We spent three weeks on the feast of Passover, which was really significant and really important. Lots and lots of typology about how Passover points to Jesus Christ and how Jesus fulfills the Passover. So the idea is that Passover was the type, the lesser, and Jesus comes and fulfills it because he's the greater, right? So we're looking at typology in the prophetic feasts about how everything points to Christ. And so this morning, I want to ask you guys a question. What's your favorite bread? Oh, there it is. Sourdough. Anybody else? Raisin? Ugh. Raisin? All right. Huh? Never heard of it. Anything else? Rye. I love rye. Pumpkin. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Anybody else? Yeah? How about straight up old wheat? How about that? No? Marble, I have to say that rye is probably my favorite, or sorry, no, sourdough is probably my favorite, followed closely by rye. Love rye, but sourdough is like the family favorite. Love sourdough. Sourdough in a bowl of soup. We had soup last night. It was so good. I could have soup every night. I think I've said that before. I could have soup every night. It doesn't matter how hot it is. Middle of the summer, 80 degrees. I'll take soup and sourdough bread all day. All day. All right. So this morning, we're going to talk about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Oh, first of all, I'm really spastic this morning. You guys like my new mask? That's a City of Westbrook mask right there, yo. Right there. I got connections. Guess who gave that to me? Oh, yeah, he did. It was so good. We went out and had coffee this week. It was amazing. We're going to have coffee next month. It's awesome. So excited about that. So excited about our connection with him and uh, all the doors. Hopefully that it just opens for us in the, as a church in the community. So um, I got my new mask. I'm excited. I almost felt like wearing it when I was talking because I love it so much, but I'm not going to. All right, so Feast of Unleavened Bread. Here we go. Feast of Unleavened Bread. I got to work through this quickly, so we're going to do that. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23, the Feast of Unleavened Bread comes right after the Passover. Verse 8, Leviticus 23, verse 8. Am I in verse 8? Sorry, verse 6. <clears throat> now, let me just say, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover are a lot of times grouped together. So a lot of times there's no distinction. When Sometimes you'll see in the New Testament that they'll refer to the Passover festival, the Passover feast, they're actually referring to Passover and unleavened bread because unleavened bread is a week-long feast. It's a week-long festival. 
So they kind of like marry the two together because they happen almost at the same time. So under the Passover, the, the, the section here, the Passover, they talk about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so this is what it says. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no ordinary work. So here's the deal. Unleavened bread starts the day after Passover. Nisan or Nisan 15. Nisan 14 at twilight, Passover happens. The next day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread takes place for a whole week. The first day is a Sabbath day, which means there's no ordinary work to be done. The last day is also a Sabbath day, so no ordinary work would be done. There would be some provisions for that. The Lord did say, hey, it's not a real, real, like, hardcore Passover. You can actually prepare food during these two days. So on a Sabbath day, on, the tw on, on a Saturday, nothing could be done, right? No work at all. It was no food preparation, nothing. So everyone had to prepare their food on Friday for the Sabbath on a Saturday. That's why they always referred to Friday as the day of preparation. Whenever you see the day of preparation, it means Friday. Because Friday was always the day they had to prepare because they couldn't do anything on a Saturday. They had to rest. So they had to prepare all their food. But the Lord said, listen, you can basically do no ordinary work, but you can prepare food. So that's what it looks like. It's a whole week. And what they were told to do is to eat unleavened bread. Eat unleavened bread. Okay? So here are uh, a couple key takeaways regarding the Passover, or regarding unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The first is this, is that the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the type, it is the type, and Jesus is the fulfillment. And we're going to see how that works out, how that plays out, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament this morning, okay? So basically, bread without leaven is basically bread that doesn't rise, right? So bread that doesn't rise, bread that doesn't have a leavening agent in it. So no yeast, no nothing to make it rise. Now, the reason why that he told them to eat unleavened bread or to prepare unleavened bread is because they didn't have time to prepare their bread to rise. They, God was basically telling them, listen, you have to prepare this meal, this Passover meal, with unleavened bread because you have to do it in haste. And we're going to read that in a second. Because we are out of here. Like, we're going to eat this meal and boom, we're gone. Like, you don't have time to hang out. You don't have time to get your bread risen to bake it, okay? So, in Exodus chapter, let's see here, Exodus chapter 12, um, we get a little bit more explanation. Before I go into that, really quick, the principles, let me just share this with you. The Passover... You'll have to go back to the slide before, Deb. The Passover and the Passover meal dealt with our position before God. So in the Passover, in the, in the sacrificing of the lamb, and it is with Jesus, it deals with our position before God. We are put in right standing before God because of the sacrifice. Unleavened bread is our response to that sacrifice and that deals with our condition. So Passover deals with our position before God. And then the unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, deals with our condition. 
with God, okay? So those are kind of the two themes that we're looking at here. So let's go to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to jump around in verse 8 because everything's mixed together. Passover and unleavened bread are mixed together. Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, it says, They shall eat the flesh that night of the lamb, roasted on the fire. The reason why they roasted it on the fire was so that they could get all the blood cooked out of it because the, they, they could not eat meat with blood in it. Right? It, was, it defiled them. It made them unclean. So God had said to them, you've got to roast the lamb because that's the surefire way that all the blood is cooked out of the lamb. Okay. You, you should eat it, roast it on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. You shall eat it. Verse 13, same chapter. I think it's 13. Uh, let's see here. Nope, sorry, 11, 11. In this manner, you shall eat it, the whole meal, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, which means quickly. The reason why he asked them to make it with unleavened bread is because they had to do this quickly. I mean, how many people eat dinner with their shoes on? I don't. How many, how many eat dinner with their staff in their hand? I don't. <laughs> right? But God was trying to communicate to them something. Like, this is like going to be quick, man. Like you, you got to be prepared for when I call you out, you just got to go. You can't, you can't wait around. And you're going to bring your bread with you so you can't let it rise. And that's why I'm giving you this command to eat unleavened bread. Okay, so let's, let's, let's go down a little bit. I just want to bring some context really quick and then we're going to get into why it is that Jesus fulfills the, the, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So chapter 14, this day shall be, or sorry, verse 14, chapter 12. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. There's a lot of repetitive language in this. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your homes. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared. So there's the provision. And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever, in the first of the month, he's just going to repeat it again. This is really important. When God repeats things in Scripture, we got to pay attention. Really important. Really important. Okay? Um, so he repeats it again. In the first month, from the 14th of the uh, uh, day of the month, at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your homes. If anyone eats what is leavened, the person will be cut off, whether he is a sojourner or a native, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall, not, you shall eat unleavened bread. Okay, Lord, we got it. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> you want us to eat unleavened bread? Is that what you want us to do? All right, we'll do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm just repeating myself. So 
Here's, here's the two themes that I think God is really highlighting about this passage, about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. First is this, is that the Feast of Unleavened Bread was uh, provided and was instituted to be a remembrance. God wanted his people to remember what he did through this feast. We say that a lot. We say that a lot about the feasts were, were um, situated around the seasons. And so when the seasons came, they were reminded, it's time to celebrate the feast. It's just like us, right? We were talking about when, when we change seasons from August to summer, I mean, from, from summer to fall, right? The leaves start to change, the leaves fall, it gets colder. What do we think of? Thanksgiving. And then when it gets a little colder and the snow flies and we're shoveling and snow blowing, what are we thinking of? Christmas, yeah? And then when we move into the summer months, we're probably thinking like, okay, it's time to celebrate Memorial Day. It's time to celebrate Fourth of July. You know, the seasons remind us of the things we celebrate. And so it is the same with God when he says, I want you to remember what I did through this feast. And this feast always happens at the same time of the year so that you can never miss it. And you can never forget to celebrate it so that you remember what I did. So what does he want us to remember? Or what did he want them to remember? First is this. He wanted them to remember his deliverance of them. See, it's interesting because the 15th is actually the day they left. The 14th, when they were still in Egypt. But the 15th was actually the day they were delivered from their bondage. The deliverance. He wanted them to remember their deliverance. And in that, it was quick. That's why he said, you need to eat unleavened bread. So you remember the manner in which I delivered you from. He also asked us to remember, or he asked his people to remember their covenant, his covenant with them. He said to them, this is the covenant. This is my promise to you. I have not given up on you. By you celebrating this feast, you're remembering the covenant that I have established with you. And what is that covenant? To bring you home. To bring you home. To bring you to your land. It's your home. I've declared to you, decreed to you, I've appointed this land for you, this is your land, this is your home, and guess what? This feast is to, rem to remember that I never break my promises with my people. I'm bringing you home. He also wanted them to remember that they were born again, not in the sense born again in Christ, but they were, they were going through a rebirth. The nation was, was, their identity was changing. They were no longer going to be a nation of slavery. They were going to be a nation of freedom in God moving into their home. So he wanted them to remember that. He also wanted them to remember the bitterness of their bondage. He wanted them not to forget what it felt like to be there. So he says to them, you got to eat bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Now, let me ask you this. I don't have any matzah with me. Has anybody ever eaten matzah? Matzah? Unleavened bread. It's like a cracker. It's kind of not even that good. Like, if you were to, like, have a choice between matzah and like a really awesome loaf of sourdough, there's no question what you would pick. You're not picking matzah. <laughs> it's not that good. In fact, I don't know if they really eat it outside of Passover. Maybe they do, but I doubt it. So God, what he's saying is, is the meal is not meant for your delight. It's meant for you to remember what I did. The, me the meal is not meant for you to just like enjoy it. It's for a purpose, and that purpose is to remember what I did for you. So it wasn't this sweet, savory meal. I mean, the lamb was, but man, bitter herbs and unleavened bread, like, who wants to eat that? <laughs> but God said, it's not about you taking delight in the meal. It's about you taking delight in me and what I've done. 
So remembrance is the first thing that he wanted us, or the first thing that uh, he kind of highlighted. The other thing is this. There was a removal process that had to happen. We were not just remembering something, but they asked, he asked his people to remove something, and that was leaven. Like, not only did you have to remove it, or could, not only could you not eat it and prepare food with it, but it couldn't even be in your home. He asked them, he said, you got to clear this out of your house. So in other words, not only do, you, do I not want you to consume it, I don't even want you to have an opportunity to even be tempted to consume it. It was like remove it completely from your home, completely from your existence, so that you wouldn't even be reminded of it. Like it wasn't enough just to say don't eat it. No, you had to completely take it out of your house. And so he asked them to do that, or he commanded them to do that, that there is no leaven in your home. And if there is any leaven in your home, or if you consume it, you will be cut off. Why? Because God takes his holiness seriously. And so we should take his holiness seriously to the point where you were cut off from not only your family, but your people if you could not um, if you could not uh, do the necessary thing to uh, participate in this feast. So we were called to remove leaven from our home and from our diet for a specific period of time. So there's a remembrance and a removal going on here. The presence of leaven constituted a breaking of his covenant. God takes really seriously the covenant that he has made with us. God takes really seriously the, the holiness of who he is and, and then and our response to his holiness. Like, he's serious about this. This is not something we should be taking lightly in our lives. Like, his covenant promise with us is something that should cause us to want to live for God. That's why it was so important for him and for his people to listen and to live in surrender to what he was asking them to do. So how does this point to Jesus? I'm like really rushing here, but we got to look at the New Testament and see what exactly leaven represented in the New Testament. So Jesus used the word leaven or used the idea of leaven in a positive way one time. He said that the kingdom of God is like leaven in the sense that a very small amount will have a very profound effect. So a couple principles that we can take from the New Testament about leaven is this, is that a very small amount can have a very profound effect. You only need a little leaven in the bread to make it rise. You only need a little leaven for it to do a lot. And so that's the principle of leaven, is that a little bit can actually have a big effect. And that's what he was saying about the kingdom of God, is that when the kingdom comes, even the smallest, uh, when, when, we, when we're bringing the kingdom, when he's bringing it through us, and that we are obedient to him in the smallest thing, that that, is, that, can, be, that can have a huge effect on our lives. But what else was leaven referred to as? It was actually more referred to in the New, Test or in the New Testament as more of a sinful desire. So, 
Leaven was often associated with pride, with being puffed up, with deception and corruption. So leaven was typically really looked at as something negative in the New Testament. A couple of examples. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus talks about um, the leaven of the Pharisees. He has this encounter with the Pharisees, and they're demanding him a sign. They're saying, we need a sign from you so that you can prove to us that you're from God. Let me just sidetrack there for a minute. This might be a little offensive to you, but if we're constantly looking for a sign as a generation, how are we supposed to live by faith? This is just a little side note. If we are constantly looking for a sign, if we're constantly desiring a sign, how are we ever supposed to live by faith? Because what we're saying to God is, you just got to prove yourself to me. You always got to prove yourself to me. So Jesus said, the, e- the, the generation, the evil generation is the one who always demands a sign. And no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. What's the sign of Jonah? In the earth, three days and three nights. That's the sign of Jonah. Because that's where he was in the belly of the whale. Three days and three nights. That's the only sign that will be given to you. And then they leave, and he goes off with his disciples. And they said, oh my gosh, they had this conversation. And they're, they're talking to Jesus. They're, they're, they're on the boat going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, I think it is. And uh, they said to Jesus, they said, oh my gosh, we've got bread. We have nothing to eat. And then Jesus says, beware of the Pharisees of, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples are like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, we don't have any bread. And you're telling us to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? Like, we don't even get bread from the Pharisees. And so he, he, he had to explain himself. He said to him, he said to the disciples, he said, no, you have to understand that their teachings are corrupt. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees because their false teaching, their, their little bit of false teaching will have a profound effect on you if you allow it to um, take hold in your life. Because the, the Pharisees were just pre- preaching tradition. They weren't preaching the, you know, the commands of God. They were preaching traditions that they had added to God's commandments, God's law. And he said, don't follow that. Don't fall into that trap. That's just leaven. Don't follow. Don't, don't, don't participate in the leaven of the Pharisees because it's going to have a profoundly negative effect on you. It's corruption. Paul talks about leaven in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, and nine, uh, verse, uh, seven through 9. This is what he says. Super quick. There was a false teaching going on in Galatia that said you had to accept Christ and live not just by faith but by works. You also had to be circumcised. You also had to follow the law on top of accepting Jesus. The the only way to salvation, the only way to reconciliation with God was Jesus plus, Jesus plus. And Paul rebukes this teaching, and this is what he says to them. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you, you will be, they will bear the penalty, whoever he is. So Paul's making this, uh, this uh, connection between leaven and deception, false teaching. Leaven and false teaching. So we're trying to build a case here for what leaven is, is, is how leaven is depicted in the New Testament. Because if we understand how leaven is depicted in the New Testament, we'll understand how Jesus fulfills the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
okay? Lastly is this, and this is the home run. Well, this isn't it, but this is the home run. 1 Corinthians, I know I have it up there second, that was my fault. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. <clears throat> Paul addressing some immoral relationships going on in the, in the church of Corinth that they were accepting. And he says to them, how can you accept these immoral relationships among you? Even the pagans don't even practice this stuff. You guys are called to something new. And so he says in verse 6, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Again, just a little leaven, just a little bit leavens the whole lump. A very little bit has a profound effect. Don't allow this to be a part of your congregation because before you know it, you'll have a really big problem on your hands that you can't get out of. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Cleanse out the old leaven. Here's here's this description, right? This is Passover language, right? God asks, what does God ask his people to do during the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Cleanse out their home. Cleanse out their home of leaven. They're, They're... they're, they're about to embark on a new journey through the Passover. And, and, and God says, when you start that new journey, cleanse out the leaven. So this is what Paul says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, and here's the connection, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate, celebrate the festival not with old leaven, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but new leaven of sincerity and truth. Do you understand what's happening here, guys? Jesus, as the Passover lamb, pays the price for our sin and imputes righteousness on us so that we are no longer a leavened lump filled with evil and malice, but now we are an unleavened lump filled with truth and sincerity. God says to his people, when I bring you out of your land and I decide that I have, I have decided for my name's sake that I am going to rescue you from your slavery and bring you into a new land, I am bringing you home. I am bringing you into a new life. So leave your old life behind in Egypt. And how does he signify that? He shows them how to leave their old life by telling them to clean out the leaven from their home. He says, clean out your leaven so that you can be a new lump on your journey with me to your home. I have called you into new life with me. I've called you into a new identity with me, not in Egypt, but in the wilderness, and I'm bringing you home, so be a new lump. Take the leaven out of your home and don't have it be any part of you because I've recreated you. You are a new people called to my name, and now we're taking, we're going home. And Paul says the same thing. He says, because Christ died for you, he's your Passover lamb. In light of of the work that he's done for you on the cross, become a new lump. Become a new lump. 
Not with leaven, that's evil and malice, but with unleaven, no leaven, which is truth and sincerity. And then Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 31, that the bread from heaven, the bread from God, is the bread from heaven, and that bread brings life. The bread from heaven is the bread from God, and that brings life. And guess what I am? I am the bread. I am the bread. You eat of me, and you will have life. You partake of me, you will have life. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, how we partake of the lamb, and we have life. We also partake of the bread, that, and we have life. He said, manna came from heaven. The first manna came from heaven, and what did it do? Your forefathers ate it, but what happened? They still died. I am the bread of life. I am the true manna. Anyone who eats of me will never die. I have the keys to eternal life. You will have life on this earth and you will have life with me in eternity. And Jesus becomes the greater bread. He becomes the greater bread. He becomes the best bread. Unleavened bread was just pointing to Jesus. It was pointing to Christ because he comes and he gives us life if we eat and partake of him. So Paul says, don't eat, don't, don't practice a life, don't be an old lump filled with leaven. Christ has died for you, so be a new lump. Truth, sincerity, those should be the markers of your life. We are becoming unleavened through Christ. Hebrews chapter 10. This is so amazing. There's so much more to our relationship, you guys. There's so much more. I mean, the fact that his work on the cross dealt with our sin is obviously the critical part of our relationship. But there's also this part of intimacy with God that is sustained when we constantly live in obedience to him. To live in purity before him. To actively take part in the process of sanctification. That's what it is. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. This is what the writer says about the work of Christ. For by a single offering... He has perfected those who are being sanctified. By a single offering, he is perfected. He has already perfected those who are being sanctified. If you are working through a process of sanctification, if you are in the process of becoming a new lump, sincerity and truth, if you are in the process of becoming a new lump, it is only because of his sacrifice on your behalf. And it is in his sacrifice that he has already perfected you. And so, live for what he paid for. Live in accord with what he's already done for you on your behalf. Be a new lump. Jesus is the greater bread. And lastly, 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 13 and 19. This is our response, you guys. In light of what Jesus did on the cross, this is our response. 
Therefore, preparing your hearts and minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what Peter is saying? He's saying, you think you're experiencing grace now? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. So there is an even greater dispensation of grace that's coming when Jesus comes again. Think about that for a moment. When he comes to judge the world, the grace that we experience now in his presence is nothing compared to the grace he's going to pour out over his humanity when he comes back again. That's what Peter's saying. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation when Christ is revealed to the world and no one has an opportunity to not know who he is. Everyone will be forced with a decision to make. Am I going to follow him or not? He says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance before you knew him. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, he who is holy is asking you to be holy. So what is our response What is our response in light of the cross? What is our response to the power and work of the cross in our lives? It's to live as holy. And it's not meant to be a burden. It's not not meant to be difficult. It's meant to be done with joy and honor for the Lord. Like, I want to wake up every day and put my feet on on the ground and go, God, I have the honor the great responsibility to live a holy life before you. Like, you've given me that honor. You've given me that responsibility, and it's never meant to be a burden. Like, do you understand, guys, that we have the opportunity and responsibility to live holy before God, and it's something that we, we, we live with joy in. It's never to be Anything that brings a burden to us is our natural response, understanding the fullness and the power of what that accomplished on our behalf. We have the joy of living holy lives, not the burden, the joy of being holy set apart. That's what God said. He said, remove the leaven from your home because I'm setting you apart for something greater. I'm leading you to your home. So clean out the leaven, the old lump of malice and greed and and sin and live a holy life for me because that should be your desire if you want to worship me. Live a holy life and do it with joy. Because it brings life. It brings life. And so, clean it out. God is concerned not only with who we were, the cross tells us that, but who we are becoming. The Passover deals with who we were, but the Feast of Unleavened Bread deals with who we are becoming. We are becoming a new lump, sanctified, made holy, set apart. God set us apart, 
Show me how to live a life that's set apart for your purpose, for your will, for your glory. I want to be set apart. I want to live a life holy and honoring to you because it gives me great pleasure to do that, not because it's an obligation, not because it's a burden, because it's what you desire and it's what brings life. Yeah? All right. Lastly is this. Point of application. We have been redeemed, and that is signified through the Passover, and ultimately through Christ who comes and fulfills it. Now, we're to live holy, set apart for his glory and honor, and that is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that is why the Passover comes first, and unleavened bread comes after, because it's, you can't live a holy life set apart if you are not first redeemed. That's why in the calendar, Passover is the first feast celebrated. And unleavened bread is celebrated after that. We must accept and receive salvation in order to live a set-apart life that's holy before the Lord. And then we'll see next week with first fruits why first fruits comes after that. Because next week we're going to talk about the feast of first fruits. And why does first fruits come after unleavened bread? There's a pattern that God has set up through his feasts. It's a redemptive pattern that we can look to and say, wow, this all points to Christ. This all points to Christ. Christ came to fulfill it all. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Um, is anyone uh, designated for prayer this morning? Uh, can we have a couple people come up if anyone wants prayer? Um, come on up and we can pray for you. I'll be up here to pray for you guys. So let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your feast that you gave uh, your people, Lord, and how they all point to Christ. Father, I just ask, God, that you would show us, Lord, lead us into lives that are set apart for you. Lead us into lives that are holy for your name. Lead us into lives that are honoring to your great name because that is what you deserve. We thank you, Lord, for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives in us so that we can live those lives. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in the midst of us, Lord. We thank you for the, what you're doing uh, through the Spirit in us, Father God. We thank you, God, that you have only given us the ability to do that through the Spirit that lives in us. And the only reason why the Spirit lives in us is because you have shown us and you have shown us to be righteous through your Son's work on the cross. Thank you for that. Live. We ask that you would give us the power to live holy lives set before you as an honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Have a great day. If you all need prayer, I'm up here. I don't know if anybody else is up here. Um, but uh, hey, if you want to stick around for the second service, you can do that. We can have 100 people. So if you want to hang out, stick around and be a part of that, um, please, please do that. Just check with the registration table and let them know you're doing that. So.